Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Mailbag where we answer your questions to help you build a team this 2023 preseason. It's kind of ending this preseason, isn't it? My name is Damo and joining me as he usually does is Clarky. How are you, my friend? It's the perfect time of year where we're six days away from the game starting and despite all of my research, I hate my team. <laughs> it's, it's getting to the point where if you're not happy with the team, yeah. you got to... You gotta get you get get a wriggle on. Um, it's but, yeah. fine. I just I look at it and I've got the FOMO and it's it's <laughs> the listeners know they'll know. This week's guest kicked off the preseason with us and is back to help us kick off the real thing. Welcome back, Ben from Supercoach Insider. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I feel like I'm that unwanted guest that just lingers, <laughs> hangs around in the crowd, like, hey guys, I'm still here, or just never leaves, like a Tinder date gone wrong. But uh, pleasure to be here. And again, so I feel with you, Clarky, mate, I just try and try not to look at other people's teams too much yeah. <laughs> and trying not to make too many changes because I feel like, you know, throwing in people or structures that you haven't had all year is not the way to go a week into the tournament. So um, pleasure and ready for these questions today. Ben, you talked about your team. This time next week will be one round into the season and our teams will be locked into place. How comfortable are you with your team right now? Fairly comfortable, but what I realized yesterday is if I take Clary out of my team with you know this news, and it, it's news that's been developing and we won't go too much, but three times a charm, I think. Once you hear it, twice you see it, and then when they say it again, I'm like, okay, maybe I need to change. And um, that then causes a whole issue as to where I spend that money. But my team is fairly settled. I, I like the people... Um, and their roles in my team. So I just did a pod yesterday, which seemed to be not many people shitting on it, which was nice. So uh, always a good start, but yeah, fairly settled at the moment. How about you guys? I think I'm okay. Um, the Oliver news has kind of made me double think his selection. Um, but I mean, if I end up going back to him, then I think he'll still be fairly reliable, but it means leaving out Bontempelli and I think Bontempelli might be a little bit more valuable at his price. For for those uh, who may not be watching the news cycles, the Oliver News is just referring to a couple of statements coming from the, the D's club that they're going to be rotating their mids a lot more frequently, um, which means that we're going to see guys playing in different roles like you did in the match simulation where Oliver was kind of moving into half back a bit. So definitely something to consider for coaches thinking about starting him. Um, and it's definitely, it's good food for thought. He dropped like 20% CBA. So I'm like, well, hey, if you're going to do that, just give him a little bit more at halfback flank and I'll take a guy averaging 120 in defense. No worries. He still racked up 30 possessions without even breaking a tiny sweat on his little ratty head. Yeah, I was about to say, and dragging around a horrible haircut. I mean, that's yeah. worth a few possessions on its own. I think he needs to lose the mustache. I think the haircut's fine. It's the mustache that doesn't do it for me. Has anyone told him, mate, you don't need that haircut? You have red hair. We can see you. <laughs> like, you don't have to try and trim those sideburns. It's not the Simpsons. All right? Just, <laughs> I don't know what he's thinking. But, yeah, just something to consider for coaches who are thinking about starting him. Just, just a small question of value. If you're comfortable with it, he's still currently in my team, but could very easily switch to a Bontempelli type. We have a sponsor. Australian Football Coach is back with Australian Football Coach 2023. Have you ever wanted to manage and coach your own Australian football team? This Aussie Rules Simulator allows you to coach your team your way. 
I played previous versions of this several times on my Twitch channel. It's a lot of fun. And this new edition has multiple new game modes. New Sparta AIs, multiple human coaches in the one league, a redesigned interface and is fully customizable, meaning you can edit teams, players, or even move your team to Tassie. Australian Football Coach 2023 is available to purchase on Steam. And if you grab it before March 16th, you'll even get an introductory discount offer. Available on Windows and Linux, head over to Steam and grab your copy of Australian Football League 2023 now. You can move your team to Tassie as long as you pay for a stadium. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know how that's going to work with 19 teams. I'd prefer them bringing in the 19th and the 20th at the same time, but that, well, that's, hey. that's, that's down the track in, an, in a, probably a different podcast, but... The most important thing is that you can finally be in charge of your own Aussie rules team. And I think we all know we can do it better. At least that's what we like to think. (laughs) Yeah. We all ponder and think, could I? I mean, you know, there's now put, put your, put your test to it. Like you can test your metal and um, look, I refuse to assume that I'm wrong. I would fail to begin with because I said, don't take Cam Rayner at pick one. There's this really consistent guy called Paddy Dow. He should come to Brisbane, which is um, the highlight of my drafting skills at this current point in time. So, yeah, I do agree. That sounds really uh, interesting, boys. And I know a lot of people as well really rate the talents coming out of junior footy and everything as well. So, um, yeah, get your list and get it sorted. Let's get to the questions. The first one comes from Harry, who sent us an email. He sees the top defenders regressing and value announcing itself once the season gets going. So is Elliot Yo at D2 viable? I feel like we've had the Elliot is Yo, Elliot Yo viable at D2 question a couple of times now. I feel like we might have even had it close to when maybe when Ben was on last time, which is good to bookend the, the mailbag season. Look, it's about the team in its entirety. Elliot Yo at D2 could be viable if you're running like six primos in your midfield. You're getting the points elsewhere and that makes sense. I think there's too much value to go straight down to Elliot Yo, though. You've got guys like Jordan Ridley, Nick Dacos, Hayden Young. Bailey Dale isn't that expensive, really, to not warrant a selection if you don't want to go for those really you know, the Doherty's, the Sisley's, the Dawson's, those really expensive guys. So why go straight down to the the basement? Yeah, defense is pretty much like your hairline. You want to save a little bit off top, right? But if you go thin, it's not too bad. Not many people notice if it's a little thin, right? You go a little too thin, then pretty much it's bare all that everyone can see, literally exposed to the world. And what you're happening now is if you have Yo at D2, I didn't mind it previously when it looked like Hunter Clark was there and uh, a few of these other players, um, Caulfield or, uh, you know, Bose, et cetera, filling in the blanks. I'm like, okay, D2, that kind of makes me feel a little bit risky, but at least, you know, safe enough. Whereas now with a lot of these other question marks coming over those players that I've just mentioned, I think D2 probably is too risky this year for Yo. And, um, you know, yeah, I guess the yo-yo. Sometimes you want to play games, but um, the yo-yo was left, what was that, 1990? So I think it's time to move on and change the times. 
That's it. And look, it's been something I've been thinking about Yo in its entirety and Damo and I were speaking to it just before um, we started recording. But like the the idea of fading Yo in option of just going some more like tried and tested guys that we've seen do it before, you know, not because Yo can't, but just because I, in my head, I just think how good a West Coast really going to be that Yo is going to be able to rack up the footy at will. So are West Coast really going to make that much of a leap that he was that missing piece that then, you know, gets all of that reception in there? So I think, yeah, a D2, I'd probably say, is not for me. Guns and Rookies still works for defence with, you know, Jinbi and, and these other, like there's quite a lot of defensive rookies, you know, pending being named, etc. But when you still look at it, you could go three of those with a Jones and a Jinbi and, you know, a Constable something on field and be just fine. You know, there's definitely nothing wrong with going two or three deep as far as premiums, like Ridley or that type around that sort of, you know, third. Because um, I've looked at it, I'm like, well, you don't really need to go mid-pricer in that defensive line. I know everyone else is, which is where the temptation comes in, and you just throw in like Hopper and Yo pretty much just because they're on everyone else's side. But when you even look at that mixture, there's still a lot of cheap options, even with, you know, Hopper in that side. And I know it's kind of risky to ignore them if they absolutely fire, but even if you go the extra premium and then go the cheaper options like a, you know, McKenzie, um, you know, like a, um, you know, all the defenders, et cetera, Jimby, then guns and rookies are a little bit less mid price. So it isn't actually a bad thing all the time. And there's a lot of mid prices around as well, and they're not all going to fire on all cylinders like people are suggesting. So Trying to, you know, mitigate the risk and not start as many is probably not a bad thing. Um, so is Elio D2 viable? Probably not anymore. If you'd asked us six weeks ago, probably yes. But now we've seen the preseason games and we've seen how teams are probably going to line up. Is he viable at D2? Oh, probably not. In fact, he's probably... You probably even argue that he might not be viable at D3, but he's at D3 in a lot of teams. So I think that's probably the highest you can place him. Next question comes from Matt O on Twitter. He's tossing up between Ariel Goulden, almost said Eric Goulden, but that's not his name, Darcy Cameron and Jack Zebel. And if he picks Jack Zebel, he'll just bank the extra cash for early trades. Not just the extra cash, he'll also bank negative points each week in his uh, overall rankings. Um, look, I'm not a huge fan of Zebel. I think he's also he's he's good enough, and I know what he's done previously. Uh, I don't think he's going to lose cash, but I think there's definitely much more scope for others around him to do better. And he, I think he's much of a team player. So last when he did it two years ago, whatever it was, they butchered it. Pretty much, he'd give it to someone, they'd butcher it, they'd kick it back, and he'd go, "Wonderful, I get another mark or a kick out, all the rest of it." So. Um, I've tempered my reservations, I guess, or expectations for him. I think Gulden's the one on that price point just based on hurt factor. Higher ownership, a lot more CBAs. Went from a 10% CBA last year, right? And now even if Mills comes back in, we kind of did some maths. And I think even at 50% CBAs, that's a big jump. And most top six forwards are actually midfielders that are getting that 50% split or more. You know, anyone. So you go a few years back, Petrucca, he went from a huge midfield, right? So then lost DPP, bang, midfielder. Uh, Mills was the same defense, DPP, midfielder. Um, And then you even go through like Bontempelli, McRae back before they became primo mids. That was the process that they would take. 
And last year we had about six guys that were playing forward mid that went through the forward line for us that are now lost. So he's got the role for it. He's got the ceiling. He still went huge, I think, three or four times last year. Absolutely huge ceiling. So what this role says to me is that his floor will increase. And finally, sorry, boys, is with the Cameron selection. I don't mind it as far as a cheaper option. But round six, if Gorn does get DPP, then pretty much you've just shot yourself in the foot with a not as good rack cover. And he's still not going to be top six as far as a forward. So I'm not sure I'm liking it having cover for cover's sake for a six-week window. I guess the differences between these guys are is if you go Decam and Zebel, you're picking stepping stones. People are picking Decam to sort of see how the ruck line pans out because they're still not sure how the shared roles are going to go at all these clubs that are now going to have shared roles. Whereas Errol Goulden feels like someone you can keep all season. So it's, are you, are you happy to use an extra trade when Decam or Zebul are all fattened up and, re- and ready to go and you know how the ruck line is going to look or someone's put their hand up in the forward line to trade Zebul to, or would you prefer to start someone and have them all season long unless you know, something horrible happens like an injury or a role change or something like like that. So he's so it's 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 a keeper versus stepping stone versus cash cow in really and I think with all that you probably gotta start Errol Golden because he's gonna be a keeper as long as he stays fit. I think um Damo, this is this is some advice that you and I got uh from the wonderful MJ from the coaches panel which has really stuck with us, which is when you're picking players in your team, you just just ask yourself realis- like realistically, what do I expect them to average? So are you just having a punt? Are you putting somebody in just because everybody else is? Like it's not about, oh, well, you know, you're making a cookie cutter team or whatever. It, make a team of players that you're happy with. I think Errol Goulden, out of all those players, he's someone who has been in every version of my team from the start of this year, because I see, I saw a 10 point upside. It was either going to be him or Chad Warner running through that, that Sydney Swans midfield. They're the two young guns. Chad Warner has done it last year. Errol Goulden did it in the small times that he was, but he was, um, you know, as Ben said earlier, he was kind of playing a bit more in the forward line and outside of that mid rotation. So by giving him that mid, I'm going, okay, I can realistically see that he could be, you know, He's priced at about an 85, 87 range. I could see him going to a 95, 97. So that's why I'm choosing him. You know, don't feel like you're missing out because you don't see that if you feel more comfortable going with Cameron. I think Zebel's off the table though. But really just just asking yourself, okay, what do I expect him to average or what would I want him to do? On top of that, I think that 10 points is a minimum conservative approach the type of player he is and the ceiling he has that could easily be which i think is where the temptation comes in because you go okay well at worst i'm expecting play around a 97 right towards 100 let's say close to 100 but he's also the type of player that wouldn't surprise me if he actually went and averaged 105 to 107 in that role um so i think there's definitely a lot of temptation there and going on the darcy cameron thing real quick boys while you're talking about it i actually started to think today and started to tempt myself to starting Max Gorn. Yes. The reasoning is, right, so if you're not sure about, hey, who's going to be the second best ruck with, say, Marshall, 
and you're going, oh, I'm thinking about starting a Darcy Cameron just because it's a buy and wait and see, then I'm like, okay, well, if Gorn's likely to get DPP, then why don't I just start him and save myself a trade? Yes. Why don't I just spend the extra 50K? <laughs> and the reason is, and it's, it's, I know it could be flawed if he doesn't get TPP or whatever, then yes, that would be flawed. But I also argue if he's not getting DPP, he's probably still dominating anyway. Now, round three, they play Sydney. What, against Laddams? Wonderful. Tell him up. Round four, West Coast. you got Nick Nat has issues as far as his Achilles there. And West Coast will probably turn it over under pressure anyway, so there's intercept marks going to him. Essendon, Richmond, North Melbourne again, right? And then Gold Coast, Hawthorne. So if it gets DPP round six, wonderful. I'm not having to trade him in because I already have him. I then get six weeks of data and actually go, hey, who is that actual second best ruck? And then go there. Gorn pushes into that forward line. Or at worst, he's still racking up intercept marks and getting a tap out against horrible ruckmen in part, not all of them. And also against bunny teams that will probably turn it over straight down his throat. So uh, part of me is thinking, hey, he could go 110-1 or whatever for that first sort of nine rounds. And maybe it would actually be better for my team to just lock him in and then get six weeks of data and then change where I need to. I love this. I love everything you've just said. And I knew this is why you're one of my favorite guests, Ben. Um, <laughs> shortly before you arrived, I was literally saying the exact same thing, the demo, and I didn't want to say it publicly for fear of ridicule. But the role that Max Gorn plays serves that there are going to be weeks where that ceiling that he has is kind of still there because he kicks a couple extra goals. He picks off some intercept marks behind the ball. He was everywhere. The problem, the, the main difference in my head between the Max Gorn and the Darcy Cameron conversation is the price. Um, you know, price only matters when you're buying or selling. But at the same time, DCAM, I can see why people go, well, he's only 490k. So you're not outlying that amount of money. By the time Gorn goes into the forward line, he may have lost cash. Or if you want to jump off him, he may have lost a lot of money. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm kind of also wanting to get on the Max Corn train. <laughs> I really like it. I love the role that he plays. I just think it's going to be really up and down scoring-wise. So you threw me off saying D-Cam at 490k. And I was yeah, like, sorry, what? it's 460. <laughs> 465, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, and uh, maybe I'm just upset that I don't have enough representation of Melbourne players in my team. Uh, for a team, I think we'll go very far this year as well. Damo, where do you sit in this? Because were you against this conversation earlier with Clark? Are we going to make it public right now? <laughs> I, I, I like the thinking, but I, I just don't have enough money in my team to go up to him. Like I'm happier with my team the way it is without tearing it apart to find that extra as little as is extra 4k just to get up to max gone from Jared Witts. I think you're definitely overpaying for gone. Oh yeah. Right. But then it's like, okay, well, which I do get because it's 50 to $70,000 too much. Right. But at the same time, how much is a trade worth? And I know we get more of them, but if you start and go, Hey, I'm going English or Hey, I'm going Darcy. And then you're wrong then you're going to be losing points per week anyway. And you're not really going to trade them because they're probably doing well enough. And then if Gorn does get DPP, you're still going to want to bring him in. So that that's the kind of the tossing up and the balance that I'm sort of trying to weigh up at the moment, whether I back in say an English who I think will be number one, or do I kind of go this way, get six weeks of data, cross my fingers and hope he gets DPP. And then I can actually get that person that I want. And if it is Darcy, then I'm like, holy crap, I was wrong. 
you know, and that's just the reasoning I'm thinking of. Maybe I just overspend there and go value in other lines like a um, oh, Ridley or something like that, you know, as my balance. There's only been one ruck that has really impressed me and locked themselves into my side this preseason, and that's Rowan Marshall. And as for the other position, I honestly cannot decide. Like, Gorn, Wits, English, Darcy, we're all going to do fine. Even Darcy Cameron, I think, for his price, would be fine for your selections. I think if you're not really convinced, pick yourself something that helps you move later on, which then narrows it down to Gorn or Cameron or Decam, really. Anyway, don't pick uh, don't pick Zebel. <laughs> so, yeah. so to answer Matt's question, we we would probably all go with Golden by the sounds of it, but Decab's probably the second choice, and then just don't pick Zebel. Poor guy's now thinking, oh, I should probably put Gordon in my side. I didn't even ask for him. Now I've got Absolutely him. Absolutely, he should. Frank in the website comments wants to know our thoughts on Liam Henry and Tom Cole and their roles. Is it enough to warrant selection? I've seen Tom Cole in a few teams. I didn't even realize he was as cheap as he was, but I remember him being cheap another year and him averaging about 35 points and not making any money. So I don't know if he's worth the selection just based on that i mean i know he's a bit older a bit more entrenched in the west coast team but i just don't think at 180k he's gonna give you that much extra cash and liam henry i like liam henry but at 202k is he gonna average enough to make enough money and i think he gets a starting role but i see him being the substitute way too often if they need some help in defense because he doesn't really have a lot of that defensive mindset that the other players do like Aish and Hughes um, and the other and even Nathan O'Driscoll who can come into the team and play on the wing as well so I think he's one he's going to be in and out of the team probably gets first crack but I don't think at 202k he's one that um, you can start with. Oh, here's here's the problem, right? Number one, both of them have two first names. That's an instant double strike, in my opinion. Secondly, when you air questions like that, how can you not be dragged over the coals? And that's it. Okay. I forgot Tom Cole existed until I saw him in, I want to say Pat, one of Patch's team drafts that when we were all just having a bit of a, a chat around the, the JR circle. And I was like, oh, huh. And then was I stopped. A, was it a Patch uh, alter ego that commented? Yeah, possibly. It, possibly. It, his, his name is Frank and it was in the website. So it could be anyone. Uh, yes. Patch Frank Patcherson. Frank the Tank, my favorite Frank. <laughs> Next question comes from Jai on Facebook. He wants to know is Jai Newcomb a real option? He's the only part of my team I'm not settled on. 
John Newcomb, hey. John Newcomb, Jai Cully, there's a lot of nice Jais out there. Um, for me, I, I think he's got upside enough to maybe, you know, border 100. But the, the thing that I have sticking in my head is that he still had a very, very, very high amount of CBAs last year where he at least had some other mids kind of chopping him out and then playing some of that support. So now that it's all on him, you know, I think he could probably get close to 100 as the main sort of person, but his role's not really changing much except for now probably getting a different matchup in the stoppages and kind of trying to do it all alone. So that and the pie, I believe, getting reduced for Hawks is probably a fairly big issue in my opinion. I don't think Hawks are going to be doing as well this year. So. I don't think he's an option in standard. I think he's probably capped at 100. I'm optimistic. I do like him. I've got him in draft leagues, uh, a couple of them. But I've kind of capped my expectation at 100. Yeah, it's it's kind of difficult. I didn't really gleam quite as much as I thought I would from the Hawks midfield in the practice matches. Um, and especially, like, you know, the Duke was someone that I was thinking about myself um, sort of going to it as a, as a cheaper option. But now it kind of seems like maybe Warple presents more value in terms of the Hawks midfield in terms of just racking it up. So I would say probably, yeah, gapping him at around a hundred from you, Ben is probably a decent call, but and you know, off the top of my head, I can't remember how much he costs, but I think that only gives him another 80 K on his starting price. And you're not keeping someone in your midfield who's only going to average 100. Ideally, your midfielders are either above 110 or tapping on the door of 110, even if they're sitting in that last position. So He costs 478000 Yeah, so he's, he'll only make about 80K, 70K if he averages 100. So even as a mid-pricer or a stepping stone, he's still not that valuable. He doesn't hold, have that value. And he's probably not going to average enough to be one of those keeper options either. So I think if you're not settled on him and there's other options that you're weighing weighing up, there's every chance those other options, um, his name is also Jai, I think there's better options out there. And I mean, he's not a terrible option because that Hawks midfield will need someone to step up after O'Meara and Mitchell left. But how... F- how much, how well they do is a different story. And if you're strapped for cash, just get Goulden, throw him in your midfield. He'll average you just as much, except you can put him forward later. Good advice. Um, who are we or captain? Whitfield. Or, or Whitfield. Or, or Whitfield. Yeah, he's probably going to get um get defense, isn't isn't he? Uh, who are we all captaining for round one? See, now, now you're making me look. Uh, I was going, I think it was Clarion to Laird was pretty much what I was going to be having in my team now because, you know, the GWS loop was fairly late. But that's kind of been thrown into a bit of a an issue at the moment. So if it's not Clary, then I think the only one I can really probably go is Bond into Laird. Um, unless there's a bunny ruck there somewhere. That's pretty much all I can think of. Clarky? Uh, I'm just trying to find the order of games. So it kicks off with Richmond and Carlton. Then on the Friday night is Geelong Collingwood. Um, the Saturday games are North Melbourne, West Coast, Port Adelaide, Brisbane, 
Melbourne Western Bulldogs, Gold Coast, Sydney. And then on the Sunday, you've got the Giants against the Crows, uh, Hawthorne against Essendon, and St Kilda against Fremantle. I think I'd probably go Dunkley into Laird. I think Dunkley, Dunkley would be a popular opinion. Uh, against well. Port, I think you guys will towel up, really. I think it'll get your confidence going for the start of the season. It'll be interesting. I think Port will come out more fired up than they were last year because they know how bad they started last year. Uh, it is in Adelaide. I don't think I'd be running Neil into it. Um, Bont, I think, generally goes okay against Melbourne. Like, the bigger games he plays well in. I, I actually don't mind if you have a Wits and a Laird. I don't actually mind a sneaky Wits over Laddams. Uh, it'll be a very different take. But we know last year Wits did tail up a few weak rucks uh, as well. Wits also starts the year a lot better than he finishes it usually, so I'm expecting big scores from him early on. Yeah, Wits is interesting because he he was averaging 120 odd at the start of the year, but then you did you're right tailed off, and then this preseason he spoke about how you know he's been able to do all the preseason and on the fact that you know how it was off um, coming off the knee, I think that could have been why he tailed off because this year he said well you know the preseason's been good and you know coming off that knee surgery or whatever the the year before. It's kind of held him in good stead and he hasn't had any issues his training, so he's hoping to then be able to platform this year. So last year it's like, well, did he just stop performing and drop off a cliff and average 97 for the last half of the year because he just couldn't do it anymore? Or was it because he played weak rucks? Or because maybe he, after a knee surgery, as the season gets on, you kind of need that conditioning. It bangs you down. So yeah. he could do well. I don't know. That's the the risk. Well, either way, he'll probably come out firing anyway. <laughs> so Knowing when me, not... We're not going to put the vice captaincy on uh, Cripps, uh, Taranto, any of those sorts of players for the first game. I know people love to get their captaincy out of, out of the way early. I just think I just think those are the big like there's the big ones that you kind of want to VC off first in those first few games. Like even Rosie, like if he repeats what he did in the preseason. Um, he's definitely worthy of a, a captaincy option. I just not quite sure how that shakes out with the Richmond with the Carlton midfield. Not quite sure how the scoring is going to shake out from there. I think it could be anyone's game depending on who they want to take on the load of their work. Um, Taranto, I don't mind. I think that that's quite possibly a good shot if you're hot on him. Um, but apart from that, I think there's kind of not really any options until. Dunkley in the Brisbane game and then the Melbourne Dogs going. So I think Laird is probably the best captain option, like the post loophole option, because he also plays GWS in that game. So for those running Madden as their loophole player, um, that could be a good shout there. You've got a majority of those big guns in those first six games. I wouldn't be getting two out of line. Most, I think even Oliver's still 41 or 45% owned. Laird's creeping up because of, you know, obviously people flipping from one to the other. They're going to be the most too heavily VC'd and seed players. Um, then you'll have people probably throwing a Dunk or a Bontepelli as the VC, but the C will be on probably one of those players most weeks, especially to start. Um, and I recommend that probably just sticking with that as far as a C option and then trying to go a high ceiling player as your VC. And then backing in someone with a low variance, um, really more consistent player like a Clary or a Laird VSC is probably the best way to start the year. And then as more data comes in, then yeah, you shift and you change as you normally do. Unless you're from um, 
Fantasy Tech TV, I think some of the – was it one of them's not starting either of Laird or Clary, so I don't know how you can go into a season expecting good captaincy scores, um, especially if you're going for standard. But anyway, that's just me. I'm glad you mentioned not getting too creative with your captains because I do agree at the beginning of the year, you kind of have to follow the crowd and go for the most popular sort of captaincy combinations. Um, the smoky captain options are ones to leave for later in the year when you're trying to get those extra 20 to 30 points to move yourself up the rankings above to get out of a to get out of a to get out to get out of a rut. You know, when sometimes you might be stuck at a thousand or two thousand and you keep on just going but going between a few places and you and you need something to push you into that next rung on the ladder. But yeah, early early on I think it's just go with the popular options. So Laird or Oliver's probably the popular ones, and then and then your VC a Dunkley or a um, or, or or a Rosie or a or, or a Wits or something along those lines, and just go with that until there's more information available and you can see new roles or old roles returning and how players are going to perform in their roles. That's it, and you know those guys as well. These guys that we're going to captain every week. It's kind of part of that little premium price that you you know we're paying for those guys. So you know you've chosen those top tier guys for a reason. Like Marcus Montempelli is worth that money because there's probably going to be a week where he scores one fifty, and you know that you can always count on him and try to pick your moment for that. I don't want to toot my own horn here, guys. I just had a look back at the SuperCoach data. Nineteenth. Um, Overall, was my captaincy rank for the year last year, as in I had the nineteenth highest captain return. So, right. listen to Ben is the is yeah, the, uh, is the thing there. My average my average captain score was one hundred and thirty nine last year with a forty three percent hit rate on my VC. So listen to Ben if he's got yeah. um, not always, not always, but as in it's you know backing in gut. At the very least, you'll be on par credit. with Ben that way. <laughs> That's probably how I finished seventieth overall. Really, is the um, is the high captain return because I think some people definitely had pick better players. I didn't have Sinclair, I didn't have Darcy Cameron, I didn't have a lot of players. But when you can get your captain scores right, and actually that's even after I was like, stuff it, I'm going to the Lions game. I'll just ignore the one twenty three VC I had on Clary, and I was like, oh, I'll put it on Neil, and then he gets tagged at Essendon at the Gabba, and I got like a ninety three. That's all the questions for today. Thanks for joining in on the mailbag again, Ben. Not a worry at all. Always happy to jump on with you boys. Make sure you check out Supercoach Insider, um, SC Insider 100 on all the social medias, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter. The YouTube is actually Supercoach Insider. YouTube.com forward slash Supercoach Insider. Just find us. How's this? Oh, I'm just part of the furniture. I'm just happy to be here with you guys. I don't even plug my own plug my own channel or anything like that. Yeah, uh, at uh, SC Insider 100, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, uh, all audio platforms as well, and uh, YouTube as well. Also needing to be plugged is I was recently on your podcast where we ranked the or we predicted the top defenders for the year. Um, they're doing other lines with other Supercoach content creators. They did the Rucks with the Center Bounce, um, and you should yep. check them out all on YouTube, Spotify, wherever you consume your Supercoach audio and or visual content. So, and that was all very fun and you've got more coming. Yeah, we got, um, I think we're doing Supercoach um, DR. So uh, that's forwards. I believe that's probably happening in the next sort of day. 
and also going Fantasy Tech TV as well, I think, looking at midfields and then having JP, the former winner, I believe, uh, analysing rookies. So just a little bit different. We used to get together and do a top 10 for all positions except rucks with um, – Oh, I can't even have forgotten who they are now. That's so bad. Uh, fan, uh, elites, SC Elites. <laughs> I've, I've clipped them three times so far this year. Um, but, yeah, so it's it's a good segment. We loved having you on. I actually changed the little clip art. I don't know if you've seen YouTube yet, Damo, but I put you with a little crown and myself wearing like a bit of a, a Joker's hat. I haven't seen it. I'll have to look. I saw I, – I did see the video go up, but I didn't see that. So I'll have to have another look. Clarky, thank you once again for being my wonderful co-host. Hey, it's always a pleasure. Um, don't forget as well, Jock Reynolds, this week, I believe, over the next week, we're releasing our team reveals. So I think my team reveal is actually set for a couple of days from now when we're recording this. And, and I, don't, I haven't got it set yet. <laughs> Max gone. I expect to see it. I'm editing and it now. my team reveal will be not long after yours. Um, the winner of this year's Jock Reynolds group will take home a custom championship ring courtesy of Supercoach Champion at SC Rings on Twitter. The code for the group is 990360. And if you'd like to pick up a ring for your league, head to supercoachchampion.com or hit them up on Twitter. If you have a question you'd like answered, all you have to do is tag your question with Jock Mailbag on social media or send an email to jockmailbag at gmail.com. Next time you'll hear from us will be Wednesday, the 22nd of March, heading into round two. So we're taking a little break. But until then, enjoy the beginning of the season. Lock in your teams. Be happy with your selections. And we'll talk next time.